Welcome. That's right. I am back. It is the second tea time. That's right. A double dipper. That's what we're doing tonight again. You'll notice that for the last three months, I've been doing once one week with a double dipper. So tonight we have JP McLean in the house and we will be doing some supernatural fiction, thrillers, stories, all of that good stuff, some human resources, all of that good stuff. But before we get started, we're going to do the disclaimer and then I'm going to do the intro of her bio and then we're going to get her popping in and let's get some thriller going on. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live show. Miss Liz is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time shows hosted by Miss Liz myself is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogue and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the given time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participation are responsible for using good judgment in taking any action they may that may relate to this discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about this disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in this tonight's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect that and I will see you at a later show at a later date. And there we go. We have the disclaimer out there. Now I'm going to get JP into the studio and I'm just going to read her bio, but I want you to see this incredible lady. And we are both drinking bangle tea tonight. So I think we have something in common. So let me jump JP into the studio. Welcome JP. Welcome. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. So I'm just going to do a quick little intro of you, JP, and then we're going to sit and share some tea, do some supernatural, get some human resources, dig in, dig, and do all that stuff tonight. So JP McLean is a best-selling author of urban fantasy and supernatural thriller. She is a global book award winner, a chanteler, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, Paranora Award for supernatural fiction, and Paige Turner award finalist and has received honors from the Eric Hoffer Book Awards, the Wishing Shelf Book Awards, the NIEA Awards, and the Whistler Independent Book Awards. I have to learn all these words. What did they all? There's so many. Congratulations. Her work has won a Reader's Favorite Award, two gold literature Titan medals, and honorable mention from the Whistler Independent Book Awards and the Victoria Writers Society reviewer calls her work addictive, smart, and fun. And for more on JP, please check out her full bio on Miss Liz's Facebook page. And I want to know about all these awards. Like, oh my goodness, we have so much to talk about tonight with this tea. So oh, I'm, I was as surprised as you, believe me. And I'm now that I've heard somebody read them off, I'm going to cut them down a little bit because they're just it's embarrassing. So an embarrassment of riches, as they say. But yeah, I, I, I decided to submit. I hadn't done that before. But when I finished the, the first book in the new series, I thought I'm, I'm just going to put myself out there. It's, it's risky. You know, you, you, so much is on the line for your ego and your, your confidence. And so I was uh, utterly shocked and surprised to get emails coming in saying, you're a finalist, you're shortlisted, you're longlisted, you won. It was fabulous. 
well, it's nice, right, to win all these awards, but at at some point it does get overwhelming as well, right? Like you're we're grateful and appreciated of of the awards, but sometimes when you hear them, I know when someone reads my bio to I'm like, uh, let's just cut that a little. Like, yes, yes, this is my lesson is going to be yes, cut cut uh, pick two, <laughs> maybe three. So JP, could you tell us a little bit about your stories? Because tonight we're talking about blood mark and ghost mark. I correctly. Yes. I yeah. right. Yes. So go Bloodmark and Ghostmark are my it's my latest series. The first book was Bloodmark and it came out last October and Ghostmark just came out on the 1st of November. So it's still oh. super super fresh. And this series is my second series. And so I consciously wanted to make uh, the characters different and the story of course different. I wanted it to be a completely clean break. So I also changed the way I wrote it. So the first series was written in first person from one character's perspective. And this series is three characters perspectives, third person, all woven together into one story. So this one in many ways was a super big challenge for me because it was more complex to write. It's the story of a woman named Jane Walker, who is born with a chain of blood red birthmarks, including a prominent one on her face. And she also suffers from debilitating dreams. You were going to say? No, I just said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, because of these marks on her face and these dreams that she has, she's ostracized. She's also abandoned at birth. So she grows up in the system. And she gets to be very close friends with one of the other girls who's around her age in the system. They meet each other when they're about 13 years old. And as they grow up together, they get to be very good close friends. But but Jane is very different from her friend Sadie. Sadie is blonde, curly, vivacious, beautiful. Jane is hidden and dark and she wears gloves to cover the marks on her hands and boots and, you know, right up to her chin and down to her, her wrists kind of clothing. And so when she's 25 years old and Sadie and her are living together at this time, they've got an apartment together. When she's 25, the tail end of one of these chains of marks disappears and she's elated. She is so excited because she never imagined that these marks could possibly disappear. And then one day she's delivering flowers because she's a, she works in a nursery downtown. And when she's delivering the flowers, the professor who she's delivering to recognizes the mark on her hand. And he tells her, those aren't birthmarks, those are blood marks. And they are given to people in rituals. And somebody gave you that mark to protect you. And as soon as the last bit of it disappears, so will your protection. So she's got to find out who gave her those marks and why before the last one disappears. Wow. So that's, that's blood mark. And ghost mark carries on the story. So in the first book, because she has these debilitating dreams, uh, what I didn't tell you is that these dreams are dreams of the past, but they're not dreams of the past in the sense that she's made it up. These are real events that have happened to people that she knows typically. And the more she dreams, the more vivid the dreams get. And they've got to the point now where she's actually physically present in the dreams. And during one of her previous dreams, at the end of Bloodmark, she makes a terrible mistake thinking she's helping somebody, but what she does in fact is change history and in a very bad way. It negatively impacts some people she loves and she suffers for it. So in book two, there's only one person that might've benefited from that mistake she made when she changed history, one person, and she's desperate to find him so that she can at least give herself the satisfaction that not all the lives were ruined and when she meets him, she's horrified to learn that he isn't that nice person he was before. He's now a hardened criminal in a drug gang and he's killed people. And furthermore, she learns that he's actually targeted the only man she's ever loved. And so she has to warn her lover that this guy is as bad as they think he is and he's coming after him. But she falls into another dream before she can reach him and this dream won't let her go. Wow. So That's, what got you into the supernatural storytelling? I, I love paranormal, supernatural magic of any kind. I absolutely love. And I, I blame, um, 
<laughs> John Wyndham. John Wyndham is who I blame because when I was young, I uh, was assigned the chrysalids as a, a story to read. And it's about a dystopian world where any tiny little mutation in people is immediately um, met with death. They want to eliminate all mutations in people because of the terrible event that happened. People are being born with three arms and 10 feet and that kind of thing. And so um, there are these children who can communicate telekinetically, but it's not a visible disability or ability. So no one knows they're doing it except the ones who have that ability. And the concept that you could actually just look at someone and have a conversation with them without your mouth moving, I find absolutely fascinating. So ever since then, I have been watching anything paranormal, anything to do with people who can fly or people who can move things with their mind. I just find it absolutely fascinating. I, I, wish, I wish I could fly. I wish I could move things with my mind. That would be such fun. And I knew this is why we connected and why we're drinking the same tea tonight, because I'm the same way. I, it, it fascinates me on how they can do it, you know, the magic of it and just understanding the deepness in it. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and the first so series, I know we're not talking about the first series, but that is um, kind of integral to how I how I began in this uh, writing. This kind of stuff was I have these recurring dreams that I can fly. And in the dreams, I, you know, I hover off the ground. And if I want to go somewhere, I just lean forward and off I go. And I've had these dreams since I was a kid. And so I decided I wanted to try to capture that sense of awe and wonder of these flying dreams. And I just started with a scene because I didn't know I, I didn't think I was writing a book. I was just playing around with words and sentences and really enjoying myself. And um, and I just kept at it, kept expanding that one scene until next thing you knew I had this really big idea that ended up turning into that first book that I wrote, which was Secret Sky. And it's just, I can't stop. It's like a habit now. I, I absolutely love it. It's my reward. It's like when I'm, I know I have to vacuum on Saturday. So, okay, you'll vacuum. But when you're done, you get three uninterrupted hours and you can just write your heart out and have oh, a cup of tea. Wow. There you go, right? Get the vacuum <laughs> done and then get into writing. So how long have you been writing, JP? I started that writing project in 2011 uh, and it didn't come out until late, late 2012. So it, it went, that book took me the longest and uh, I made all of the mistakes <laughs> with that one. Um, but it was a great learning experience and I'm so glad I wrote it and I'm so glad I persevered and made the changes I needed to make. Uh, in order to make it successful. So it was a long, long process. It came out again in 2018. And when it came out again, I had fixed all of the errors. And when I say errors, I picked the wrong cover. I picked the wrong title. I was not doing all the things I needed to do to get it reviewed and to get it critiqued, uh, not critiqued, reviewed though. And um, I didn't submit it for any awards except for the Whistler Independent Book Awards. And I, I did get honorable mention for that book, but it's been a long haul. So that's the longest book that you've taken to write is the, mm -hmm. is that one. So yeah. roughly you, what, it's three, four months that it takes you to write a book? Oh no, no, no. It's longer than that. It, it's a year. A um, year? It's the whole, it's not writing for a whole year. I probably write for eight months. But the last four months are back and forth with beta readers, um, back and forth with editors, back and forth with the proofreader. So it's a lot of um, after you write, you then have to go back and and rewrite and tighten it up and move stuff around and add and take away. It's it's quite a process at the end that makes the book better in, in every sense. But it's a necessary process for me anyway. I know some people can write really clean, but I, I need to have the input of many other people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we live and that's when we live and learn right is when we try so like you said your first one that's where you learned all your mistakes and errors but if you wouldn't have tried making that first one then you wouldn't know how to fix all the rest of them that's right it took it took a long time and and i i giggle now because i do have a critique group um and we're very close and we share each other's work and and critique it and and every once in a while one or the other will remind me just how far we've come 
I didn't even have face. I refused to get Facebook before I put a book out. Well, not even before. I just didn't enjoy the platform. Now I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and I'm doing stuff like this with you. Who would have ever imagined, <laughs> certainly not me, that I would be doing this? No way. <laughs> it, it, it does. When other people show us how far we've come, right? And the growth, just getting a Facebook account is a big step, you know? Mm -hmm. Doing a podcast, it takes a big step. Like I like when I look at people and I say, okay, uh, look at Miss Liz five years ago and look at me now. And they're like, who are you? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's how much growth. And, and I see that with when we write, right? We grow with each story. We, we're like, oh, well, we didn't do this with this other one. Let's try this with this one. We kind of try different yep. things, right? Yeah. And I learned so much too from the people who provide the feedback to me. Like um, I have a, a cousin who, who reviews or reads my books um, and gives me beta feedback. And she's hilarious because she's got fabulous feedback for me all the time. But when I hear nothing from her, that means she's got a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, oh, put the pot on. We're having tea. <laughs> I, have, I have to call her and say, okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> But I've learned so much from, I mean, not only them, but uh, probably my biggest teachers are the editors that I hire to, to pick the book apart and, and make it stronger because I learned so much about, you know, activating the verbs and uh, I mean, all the stuff that you learn early on when you're writing about how to describe things and using the senses and uh, oh, just, just the basics because it's a craft and you have to learn the craft and a lot of the craft I learned from editors. So I'm very grateful to those editors. Well, it's, it's a teamwork assignment, mm -hmm. right? Like, you are right. You know, and I think we need that in life. We need a team in whatever we're doing, whether we're writing, we're directing, we're creating, you know, we need other people's input because if we just do it on our own, I, I don't find that there's a reward in it. Yeah. No. It's also not as strong, I don't think. I mean, no. a, lot, a lot of people resist that editor editorial input, input, but for me, everything I've ever had edited has come out stronger for it, not weaker, much stronger. Well, the feedback, right? Oh, absolutely. And different perspectives. Like you only see from your perspective. Yeah. You know, so if you ask a man, for example, you're going to get different feedback. If you ask a, a younger person, you're going to get different feedback and a senior, you would get different feedback. So it's, it's all, the more you, feedback you get, the stronger your work is for sure. So what age range reads your books, JP? Well, interesting. I thought the age range would be like 25 to 45, but it's not. The age range is actually 45 to 65. Ooh. Who knew? Who knew? Wow. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. The older generation is really interested in the magic and supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, maybe they're just done with all the nonfiction and they want to have fun now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they very much enjoy it, and I do get some really good feedback and reviews from them. So that's that, and that's definitely it's more females than males, um, you know, according to my stats. But um, a number of men absolutely love it. Awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about these awards that you received? I'm oh, gonna sure. Go back. I'm going to go back and get them. Uh, the one that I couldn't say, the Chantel Chanticleer? Chanticleer. 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 Yes. <laughs> and and you, I should have just writ written CIBA, C-I-B-A, because a lot of people know it as the CIBA Awards. That award comes out of uh, California, and it is uh, awarded to a, a number of different categories. I just happened to make finalists, uh, in the supernatural paranormal and supernatural category. And that was a really big deal. I didn't win it, but I was a finalist. So I'd gotten through the short list and I was almost at the top. Um, so that one I'm particularly proud of the global book award was a silver award. You can win gold and, um, or silver. And I won silver. I've put the new book in that award category again, and you do get better with every book you write, or so they say. So with any luck, um, maybe I'll get a gold this year. Oh, I'm and, sure you will. <laughs> and then all of the other awards, like the one, the Wishing Shelf Book Award, that one is out of uh, Britain. Okay. And the Editor's Choice was out of Britain. And the National Indie Excellence Award was American. And Eric Hoffer is American as well. 
and it's just been it's just been nuts i absolutely did not expect to get this many and at one point i i i must say like one look at this i actually have a medal oh wow they sent me a medal like it's i couldn't <laughs> anyway yeah so that's from the wishing shelf that's the company in uh, britain that that it won the award for so you can bet you I'm going to be applying to them again. <laughs> <laughs> well, those medals are gorgeous. I want a string of them. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Olympic medals of writing. I wonder yeah. if there is any Olympic medals for writing. I don't think so. I think Olympics are physical. I mean, there so, are a lot of big awards, like the Booker and, and other, you know, awards. But I'm an indie. And indies don't get to apply to all of the awards, so I apply for the ones I can apply for. Oh, so you're only allowed to apply to so many? Well, some awards don't uh, accept applications from indie authors. They'll only okay. accept applications from traditionally published or submissions from traditionally published authors. So those ones aren't available. Well, that's good to know. So for the viewers and listeners out there, they know if they're writing a book that they can apply for certain awards and that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into your tea. If I ask you, what is your tea? What is your tea, JP? My tea is Bengal spice. It is, it tastes as good as it smells. I, maybe it smells better than it tastes. Like when you make a cup of this tea, your house smells a little like Christmas. That's what I was going to say when I made mine Ooh. too, because we're both drinking Bengal tea tonight. Because she let me know yesterday what type of tea she was drinking. So we, I went searching for my Bengal tea. And we're both, and it does smell like Christmas. That's what I was, I was trying to. Yeah. I was and the other thing I like about it. Smell. The other thing I really like about it is if it cools down. Because I usually have a big mug. Big. So if it cools <laughs> down, I, I like it cool too. I can yeah, drink it, it from it, steaming hot right to cool down. Enjoy it's it. Really, it. No, it's good hot or cold. Mm -hmm. So now I want to know what your TT is. So if I give you the TEA, what would your T be, JP? TEA? Yeah. Is this what the colors you asked me? What, what, word, <laughs> what words would you give me for the TEA, starting with those <laughs> letters? <laughs> oh, well, I, uh, in fact, did not give you a TEA. You had asked me what my favorite colors were. Yes, I asked you that as well colors okay. and words and that, but I asked tonight, I'm asking what your T is. So if I give you the letters T E A, what words would you give me starting with each of those letters? So three words. Talkative. Okay. And endearing. And action oriented. Ooh, sounds like a good thriller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the talkative. I'm just loving that with you. No, I, I love when, when you can engage with each other, right? And you understand each other. And I think it's a tea. The tea just joined us together. Like it, and it does smell like Christmas and Christmas is just mm -hmm. around the corner. So it is. It is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So any big plans for Christmas? Um, actually not this year. Um, it's just my husband and I here on the island. We live a little wee island on the, the Pacific Northwest. Um, and my family is all in Ontario and uh, we won't be going to visit them this year. John's family, that's my husband's family, they're here, but we don't know if they're going to be here or if they're gonna be traveling at Christmas. So if we'll, it'll just be John and I, unless we um, go into town and, and meet up with the rest of the family, in which case we'll probably go out for dinner because we're all, kind of at the point where none of us wants a big meal to cook or clean up and we don't have the kids and grandkids coming around. So it's just going to be small. How about well, you? I'm not sure what we're doing for Christmas this year. I know my my granddaughter is going to be two in March. So this year is going to be a little bit more fun. Last year was fun too for Christmas because she was just a couple months old, but I, I think we're going to be going to my daughter's house, but with everything going on, we don't try to plan too much ahead just in case, you know, we're not allowed to be around people or anything. So, but my daughter just lives a couple minutes away. So we'll probably go to my daughter's 
and my son is back home living at home so he'll probably join us and so it'll probably be just me and my children like really and do you, quiet and and do you cook dinner do you cook a big dinner most of the time it's me that does the cooking and sometimes i i will make the turkey or make the ham and then bring it over to wherever we're going so everybody nice. likes the way i do my turkey so i do the turkey most of the time there's nothing better than mom's turkey yeah they're like so mom true. how do you do it and i was like oh secret recipe can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> i've lived apart from my family for a long time because i moved out here to go to school but i've been the turkey maker in in my west coast family for years and i adore that role i love cooking it i i don't mind the work involved at all um, it's the people around me that don't like cleaning up after me. I think that yeah, it's the cleanup. The cleanup, yeah. everybody kind of scoots away, right? It's like, yeah, oh, I gotta right. go outside, or I gotta go and yeah. watch a movie, or I gotta yeah. turn the TV on, put the music on, and karaoke time. It's like everybody like kind of just disappears. Yeah, because that's my one. That's my one caveat. I I'll cook, but if I'm cooking and I don't clean, and the same thing. Like if you're gonna cook, I'll clean up after you and won't complain at all. But I only do one or the other. Yeah. So if you're getting my cooking, you're not, you're doing the cleaning. That's right. <laughs> well, maybe that's why we're going out to eat this year. <laughs> <laughs> They're cooking and cleaning. <laughs> that's right. I'll take none of that and none of that. Let's go out. <laughs> right. So I also see in your, in your bio here, uh, JP, that you have a, a certified scuba dive, uh, scuba diver. So you're an actual certified scuba diver. Yeah, I, when my husband and I uh, got married, we took our honeymoon down in the Cayman Islands and he really wanted to learn how to dive. So we did. And I'm only brave because of him. You know, if it wasn't for him, I, I probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, but we are really wussy people. It's just warm water. I mean, we have we have dived here. Um, we live um, just off of Vancouver Island between the mainland and Vancouver Island. And even in the summertime, the water is darn cold so when we um did the dive here um we came up and we're freezing we were cold to the core and i know people do dive here and there's some beautiful dives here uh, but they're dressed for it you know we had our caribbean uh wetsuits on when we were diving here so i love diving in the warm warm water but not so much here <laughs> So is it hard to learn to dive? No, or? it's not hard at all. Um, some people have physical limitations. Like um, if if you can't clear your ears, like if you can't, can't clear the pressure from your ears and some people can't, then it's painful. You can't dive because you can't clear the pressure. But if you can clear the pressure and you're okay breathing the, through the, the regulator, it's, it's so fascinating. I remember... Uh, like one dive in particular, we were in Turks and Caicos and um, from the island, you, you, it went out a distance and then it just, it was a sheer cliff under the water. You wouldn't know. You could only tell by the color because from the surface, you could see like a, a light, 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 light blue. And then there was a line and it went deep, deep blue. And wow. so we, we took a boat out to the, we were guides, you know, you don't, I didn't know it well enough to do it by myself or us by ourselves. So you go out to that blue line and the people who are running the boat stop it and put anchor down. And then you get off the boat and you go down to the, to the floor. And it's only about, well, maybe 50 feet and you can free or you can dive down to 80 feet safely. So you go out to 50 feet and then all of a sudden you're looking out on nothing but blue so then you just let a little bit of air out and you go down a little bit further so that you're actually swimming or floating really along a wall mm -hmm. and that wall is absolutely teeming with interesting life it's um it's fan coral and sponge coral and um, clownfish and lobsters and shrimp and all kinds of life. So you're just, it's like, and it's, it's an apartment building for everything under the water. And you're just, you, know, you could hold your hands across your torso and you just float along. <laughs> it's the most fabulous experience. Now I looked over at my husband 
because he was to my left and I just turned in amazement to say, isn't this fantastic? He can't talk. You know, you've got the regulator on, you're just doing hand signals and he's going to me and he's going, and I'm, I'm going, uh. <laughs> all I can see is jaws coming in you know, through the deep blue and I turn and look and it's this enormous eagle ray and it's just coming right up beside me like this. And these things are probably four feet across, no exaggeration, white underneath and soft like marshmallows, but I didn't, I didn't touch it. I did touch it in Stingray City in Caymans, but not there. But honest to God, I thought I was going to die when he said, look, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Oh my nightmare. I was envisioning Shark too. Like I was like, don't, 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 here comes Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking. We get up later and I think, don't ever do that to me again. That's no, no, no. unless you're going to come over and go, hey, <laughs> it's sacrifice yourself for me, then I'll be okay with it. <laughs> so I also see that you're a gardener here, JP. So what is it about gardening that you love? I, I got to say I'm a lapsed gardener. I, I love gardening. I love getting my hands dirty. It's kind of when I have a, plot problem with my writing and I feel like I need a break it's a good place to take a break because your hands are just you know you're pulling weeds you you don't need to think a lot about what you're doing when you're doing the gardening and you can smell the grass and you can smell the soil and the sun's there a little bit and it just gives you a distraction that is a good place to be when you're trying to work out a problem you know I'm not thinking about it necessarily it's kind of chugging around in the background but it does, uh, and I, I and I love the way it looks when it's done. I like a neat and tidy garden when it's done. But um, the process of getting in there and digging out the weeds is something I use uh, to to clear my mind and think about something else for a little while. Well, that, I find gardening is it, it kind of recharges you, right? So if you're like got a, 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 I've been told not to say writer's block, but when you get like where you can't get get it out, but you know it's there, but you can't just get it out. You know, and I'll go to the flowers as well. And I'll say like, oh, my goodness, let me know yeah. what I need to do. Like, how does it need to come out? Like, yeah. When I started writing, um, I was doing a lot of gardening. Uh, I had a giant vegetable patch as well as many, many flower beds. And when I started writing and then went full time writing, I couldn't do both. So I gave up the veggie patch except for two small raised beds and I don't even do them very well anymore. And then um, the, the, the flower beds, I'm trying to make them as, uh, as not fussy as possible. So I'm taking out the stuff that needs divided regularly and um, they're not gonna be as full of flowers as they used to be, but they'll have more flowering shrubs in them so that I can do less work and, um, and dedicate more time to writing because people I don't think realize um, and, the, and I'm sure they, they don't care either, but um, writing takes an enormous amount of time. And it's not just the time you're spending at the keyboard, but you're also spending time researching little bits and pieces and it takes headspace. So even when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about problems and, and um, dialogue and fight scenes and choreographing. Um, it, it takes a lot of time. So let's get back into some of your books. So we're going to be talking a little bit more tonight about the blood mark and the ghost mark. And ghost mark just came out November 1st. So make sure to go out and grab that copy. If anybody would like to get a copy, JP, where could they find these books? They can find them wide. So they're available at all the usual suspects, Amazon, Kobo, um, Nook, and Apple Books. And if you want to see, if you want a quick access, just go to my website, jpmcclainauthor.com. And there's a bookstore tab that has links to all the places where you can buy the book. Oh, awesome. So for the viewers and listeners that are just tuning in tonight, we're talking with JP about supernatural thriller books that she has written. She's written a lot. So if you check out her website, you'll see a whole list of books because I've been checking out your website all afternoon. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> now, if you could be any character, JP, what character would you be? In your oh, book? hands down, Emmeline Taylor. I would be Emmeline in a flash because Emmeline can fly. Oh, there we Emmeline go. can fly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I gave Emmeline some of my traits um, only because it's easier 
to write about things you're super familiar with. So she has my wildly curly and unruly hair and she has zero sense of direction. Two things that are super true for me. <laughs> but I would love to be able to fly. She can also do some other things. She kind of learns about those other things through the course of the books, but she becomes quite a powerful person by the end of it. And, um, oh, it would be just so nice to have some of those superpowers on those days when somebody cuts you off or insults you, you know, you just, oh, if I only had that superpower, I'd get you, man. <laughs> Something satisfaction about that. You're in my way. Let me fly over you. <laughs> oh, so often, yeah. Why is traffic stopped? I can't see a thing. <laughs> well, I could just go up and look. So if you had a superhero, who would your superhero be? Mm. Who would my superhero be? It would probably be one of the doctors or nurses who works with the, um, the cataract program where they go to countries and they allow people to see they they perform the surgery on them where they put a, a new lens in and then let them see uh, when I see the people lined up and they're blind they can't see a thing and they've been like that for years and what for us is a fairly routine normal procedure um, they get this procedure and it's like a miracle for them so that's pretty amazing they would be that's my really hero cool. mm -hmm. And I like that when we can create our own superheroes, right? Like everyone, Batman, Batman there's nothing wrong with Batman and Spider-Man and Robin and all those guys, but let's create our own, right? Let's be creative. And, mm -hmm. and, and we have I no want to be like a tea genie. Like I just want to like have like some kind of special power that just brings love and light to everybody. Like cheer up a bit. Like here's a little tea bag. You like drop yeah. it in the water. And like an extra special Bengal spice. <laughs> Right, right, with that extra spice that just makes your house smell really yummy. Mm -hmm. So we have a couple questions here that are coming in through my message, and they're not coming in through the studio. So people do this sometimes to me. They'll message me during the show. So they want to know what's a message you'd like to give to your readers when they read your stories? Two things. Um, well, probably a whole bunch more. But the most important thing I want to give to the readers is an escape. This is an entertainment. It's something that you can pick up and know that you are going to be able to walk away from whatever things are bothering you that day, that week, however long it takes you to get through it. And that's my favorite thing about picking up a book is when I can get completely lost in it, like to the point where you look up and you realize night has happened or occurred or morning occurred while you're reading. So that's the one thing, one really good thing I want to get out of it. The other thing I want to really emphasize is all of the women in my books are strong. So there's no weaklings. There may be people that were raised without confidence or uh, self-esteem, but they find their way. And it isn't because a knight has come in on shining armor but they have found their own way and they become strong and they are strong in and of themselves by the ends of the story so no matter what like even jane with those marks that she had to live with for her whole life she comes out fighting strong and emmeline gets beaten down she comes out strong so i just love that the characters in this book are characters that everyone I think can relate to because they're, they're very much like you and I, um, but they're so strong. So yeah, that would be something else I want people to get out of those books. Awesome. The next question I have is, have you ever had any supernatural paranormal activity in your life? You know, every once in a while, there'll be a deja vu move, move, moment with me. Like I'll think I've been here before or I've seen this before and I'll rack my brains, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And I don't know if that's paranormal or supernatural or if I've been there before. But I don't cool. know. And the next question is, what's the difference between supernatural and paranormal? 
Well, that's a very interesting question because when I first started writing the original series, the editor I had at the time told me these are definitely urban fantasy. And I had never even heard of urban fantasy at the time. So I've learned a lot about it since then. And um, Supernatural is, is a more of an umbrella that holds some of the other ones. Some people call it magical realism at the top and then the other sub or subgenres. The urban fantasy subgenre is um, typically, obviously, urban setting, contemporary times. The that's that's as opposed to high fantasy like Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and uh, so it's a low fantasy is what it would be classified as. But supernatural is a power that you or I could have, whereas paranormal is typically associated with vampires and werewolves and that kind of supernatural creature. Whereas um, the urban fantasy or the, uh, sorry, the paranormal or supernatural are people. So it's a fine line and there's lots of, it, it, people interpret things the way they do. They don't necessarily look up in the dictionary what, what it is or you know, look how that company defines, like how does Amazon define it or how, how does Apple Books define it? So um, Supernatural to me just captures more of it than I would capture if I called it an urban fantasy or something else. And do you have any mediums in your family that's why mm -hmm. you're interested in the supernatural world? I don't think I do. I don't think I do. No one's admitted it to me yet anyway. So do you feel like there's any clairvoyance or anything like in family members or friends around you? I guess I haven't seen it in action. I haven't. I, I, I believe in it. I think it's true. I think there are people that can do things we can't explain because we're not all knowing. But I haven't run across it yet. But I, it wouldn't be surprised if someone simply hadn't said anything about it yet because that's another part of this is that if there are people out there that have these and they're not doing it for commercial purposes, chances are they're keeping pretty quiet about it. Yeah. I don't think they're right out there. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like yeah. every once in a while I'll hear somebody say, Oh, I knew that was going to happen. You say you did. And they say, mm -hmm. you got to think, well, Maybe it's almost they like the intuition, right? That have something coming around the corner. I know I get a lot of intuition where I'm like, oh, something's coming up. I can just you the can energy in, just the energy in the room, right? It's like, what's yeah. in this room that's gonna happen? Like, you know, there's yeah. that thrill of trying to yeah. figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So those are a couple of questions that we have from a bunch of viewers that are watching. We have a bunch of viewers that are watching from all over. So thank you for those questions. I really appreciate those questions coming in. So I want to get back into a little bit about you, JP. So what has writing taught you about yourself? Mm, it has taught me I am far more creative than I gave myself credit for prior. When I first started writing, I had a, a notebook or it was actually a document on my computer. And when I had an idea, or a great twist or a great scene, I would write it in that document. And um, what I was doing was hoarding those ideas because I didn't think I'd ever get more than the five or six that I had. And with every bit of writing that I did, I would get more ideas and that list started to grow. And next thing you know, that, that list was quite large. And what I realized was that my imagination wasn't static. It was like a muscle. And the more I used it, the more these ideas came to me. And hoarding these ideas wasn't helping make my stories any more interesting. So I started using the ideas. And I used all the ideas. Because I know now that more ideas are going to come. I have faith that they'll come and they always do. So I don't hoard ideas anymore. And I don't question the process anymore. I know I will come up with ideas that will blow people's socks off. And I just awesome. keep that confidence inside. So do you have any plans to have these books into a movie, into a screenplay? 
<laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> Anybody that's watching Tea Time, check yeah, it yeah. out, you know. Yeah. Reach out Any to producers TV. out there, just come on, come on, call me. Um, We're just putting a pitch out there. <laughs> I've actually taken a couple of screenwriting courses uh, because um, I've learned a little bit about the process and um, there's very little likelihood that um, anyone is going to, you know, knock on my door and say, hey, I'm from Hollywood. Um, I do have to have a screenplay of the book prepared um, and I could pay someone to do a screenplay, but I would rather try to do it myself first and see what I can do and make a go of it. It may not go anywhere, but I like a challenge. So this is my challenge. And I have taken the first book and broken it down into scenes. And then the next thing you have to do is prioritize which scenes you're gonna use, because you can't use all of them. A, a yeah. screenplay is much shorter than um, a novel. And so I'm, I'm at that stage and not writing anything yet, just at the stage where I'm cutting the scenes down to the ones that I think are gonna be essential to tell the story in a smaller format, so. Awesome. Well, who knows? There might be a listener out there that will be saying, I wanna know a little bit more about these books from JP. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know what's around the corner. That's true, you don't. So I wanna get into, you have worked your, you have had a career in human resources, what has that taught you about individuals? Uh, how smart, uh, how resourceful, um, how hardworking. Uh, and, and we're not that different. One of my favorite things that I got to do was as um, employees were nearing the end of their work life and they were looking ahead to retirement, um, I, I had the privilege um, for a couple of uh, years, not that long, because it was a job everyone wanted, <laughs> um, of, of walking them through that process. You know, uh, they would bring their wife in or whoever uh, was close to them. Sometimes it was a, a daughter or, or a son or a sibling. And they would talk about, um, you know, how they wanted their finances, you know, the retirement pension funds paid out. And, and then they would talk about what they were going to be doing in their retirement and just the joy of going through that process with them. And um, sometimes even being uh, present at the event where they were going out on that journey to retirement. Uh, I love those meetings and I got to know people in on a, a more personal level than, level than you get to know them when they're having, you know, um, coming in, maybe changing jobs, going, moving from one position to another position. And it's all very worky, worky, but when you get to the other end, it's retirement and it's fun and they're, they're just lovely people. And, and I, I had such a good time getting to know people in that manner at work. That was one of my favorite, favorite parts of the job. Of course, phoning someone up and telling them they've got a job is also fun. <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know what a human resource worker is, could you share a little bit on that? Sure. Uh, it's usually a, a larger organization that would have a human resources department. And what we would do is, um, and the world has changed. It's been a, a long time since I've done this work. But at the time, we would put adverts out for whatever positions we were hiring for. And then our job in the human resources department was to collect those resumes, go through them and pick out the most promising ones and then phone those people and ask them to come in for an interview. And then you would put together a panel of interviews or interview questions that would um, try to determine what would be the best fit and the most knowledgeable person for that job. And then they would come in and go through the interview process and you would talk about, because because we were centralized, it was a school district. And because we were centralized, we would then um, ask the people in that were going to be working directly with the people that we were hiring. And so, um, and then, other than hiring, we also looked after transferring when people would transfer from one school to another. So they would apply for a job in another school and we would facilitate that transfer. And then we also um, did uh, prep for negotiations when the unions and management would be negotiating contracts, we would put together information packages uh, for that. And we'd also put together educational um, things that we would do for them, um, like, during the pro D days, professional development days, we would we would um, help them put together, like the educational assistants might want to put on a program for the other educational assistants to um, help improve everyone's skills. So we would just facilitate that kind of thing. And job descriptions, you write job descriptions, you write procedures. Um, 
that kind of thing. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you for sharing for that because somebody might want to know what a human resource worker is and what they do, right? Because we do have the young youth that are watching Tea Time and they might say, well, what is a human resource worker? And they might want to get into that field. Now, I want to get into, you did mention it earlier when I started asking you about your tea, your colors and words. So let's get, and the word that you gave me was fluid. Um, what is it about that word that describes you? I like to think that I am not so set in my ways that I can't work like a fluid around an object that's stopping, you know, something that's in my path. I want to be the fluid that floats around that. I also, I, I associate it with water. I associate water with the diving that I so enjoyed that float, that floating weightlessness. And that is the same motion that when I, when I describe flying, that idea of floating when you're at neutral buoyancy underwater and you're just kind of floating, that's exactly how I think of flying, that you're at that neutral buoyancy in the air. Maybe you're just hovering, but you're, you're, you're the fluid. You're the fluid at that point. And it has a lot to do with your stories as well. Like the blood flow is a fluid, right? And the ghost walk, the walking, the, you know, like yeah. you just said, leveling and that, which makes a lot of sense. So your favorite color, what is your favorite color, JP? You know, I, I switch between blue and green. I switch between blue and green. So this room is a green room for me. It's got a, you can't see the color, but the, the desk is green and the accents are all green. And this is like a forest, you know, this is, you could smell that pine, the resin, the, the leaves and the soil on the floor. This is the, that's the earthiness. And the blue is the bedroom and the blue is fluid. The blue is the scent of the sea and salt spray and the crash of the waves. Um, so that's the blue. And they're equally relaxing to me. They're just two different relaxing things. Well, they're two calming colors, right? I guess I need a lot of calming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where the fluid comes in. <laughs> that's where the tea comes in. We enjoy tea, right? So, JP, one message you would have to somebody that would love to start writing supernatural fiction, what message would you have? For them? I, I would give them... Uh, the advice that I learned when I was first writing. And that is, um, I like, don't bog yourself down with the idea that you're writing a book because that's huge. It's a huge idea to keep in your head. So if, if you want to write a book or if you think you've got the skill to write and the patience to write, I would suggest not to put too much pressure on yourself. Write one scene. Think of a scene that you think would be interesting and just write that one scene. And when you finish that scene, then think about what sits on either end of that scene. So for me, the first scene that I wrote was a woman jumping off a deck and floating into the air because it was my flying dream. But when I finished that scene, I thought, well, wait just a second. She's not just going to jump off the deck. I mean, what if she crashes to the ground? She obviously knows she can fly. So then how did she know she could fly? And then on the other end of it, where was she flying to? So I think if you just keep one scene in mind and then just try to build that scene out, you'll either find you love doing it or you're frustrated by it. And hopefully you'll love doing it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I have one question for you, JP. If you could fly, where would you fly to and why? No. I would, okay, this is totally selfish. I would probably fly to Vancouver so I could go out and enjoy restaurant food like I can't get here on Demon Island because I miss, I miss restaurants on the little island. Um, and then I would probably fly down south and enjoy a little bit of the warm, warmer weather because it's gotten cold here. And um, yeah, I would fly away from the rain and down south. All, all private, personal things for me. Nothing to save the world right now. So you're no big saver. <laughs> <laughs> no, right here I'm going for creature comforts. 
Only that we're not a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we wrap up your tea time, JP, I want to thank you for joining me tonight and having tea with me. And I want to thank the viewers and and the the supporters that do support Tea Time with Miss Liz. And I want to thank everyone for just making this year an incredible year for Tea Time. We have had so many incredible authors and storytellers on Tea Time this year. So be sure to go out and grab a book. Christmas is coming around the corner. Check out some of these books. Grab a copy of Ghost, uh, Ghost Mark and Blood Mark. And, you know, if you know somebody that enjoys these books, it'll be a beautiful Christmas gift to do. So before we wrap up your tea time, JP, any final words you'd like to say? Thank you so much. I got to say... The work that you do on this Miss Tea Time, I'm not sure if everyone understands what goes into it, but you you have made it so comfortable to come here. You've made me welcome on all of the streams where you stream. You've made up these beautiful uh, graphics that you've allowed us to share, me to share. And I just wanna thank you because Miss Liz, your tea time is fabulous. Congrats, well, it's a wonderful thank show. Thank you so much. I really nice. appreciate that. And I appreciate that the guests enjoy the work that I do for them. Because having you guys come onto my platform and my table and sit and serve your tea is a true honor. I am meeting incredible people. I mean, I would have never met you, JP, had it not been for Tea Time Virtual. So it is incredible journey. So you just never know where you're going to go. So keep your eyes open, keep your ears open because there's a lot more coming with Miss Liz. Uh, in 2023, there's going to be a lot of different coming. That's what I do is I serve different. So coming on the 17th of November, I have Adam Duvall coming in from the UK and he'll be speaking on the mental health warriors because mental health is truly important to Miss Liz. And I believe that we need to be getting awareness out there. So I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in tonight and joining me for a double dipper. That's right. We did two shows today. We did the runaway husbands this morning with wife, uh, Bannerman syndrome. Tonight we're doing supernatural fiction and next week we're doing mental health. We're all over. We're dipping and we're giving flavors and blends. So that's what we're doing is we're bringing different to the table. So if you have an idea that you would like to see on the table of Miss Liz, please let me know. You can DM me, you can follow me anywhere and give a good subscribe and you can see all of the tea times for the last three years. There is over 180 tea times that you can check out. So if one doesn't, one doesn't resonate with you, you can, I guarantee another one will. So again, JP, thank you so much and keep writing and congratulations on all of your awards and everything. But before we wrap up, we got just a little under two minutes before we close up. Out of all the awards that you've received, what is your favorite? Mm, I've got to tell you this one. The medal. I knew the she medal. was going for the medal. <laughs> the medal is on the table. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just a solid, like it's not that the other ones aren't fabulous. They are. And some of them are more, are more high profile. Um, but I've got something that I can hold with that one. I just... I just love it. It's always a big hit. I take it with me when I go to book signings and put it on the table and people are always so surprised. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I knew she was going for the medal. I just knew it because it was there. (laughs) It was like that. The medal one is the one. So again, congratulations on all your awards and continue writing and continue to bring some supernatural fiction thrillers to the world because we need that. We need a little out of this world sometimes. (laughs) Thanks. I'll do my best. (laughs) and i will see everybody november 17th at 3 p.m we will be having an afternoon tea and then we will be back on the 24th with natasha dean and she'll be speaking on one story at a time makes a difference she'll be talking about children's books so i'm super excited about that because i love children's books as well so check that out and then in december we have i believe five more tea times and then there'll be a reunion show so everyone will be coming back if they are able to make it back on December 22nd. This Liz brings back the authors, the storytellers, the change makers, all of them that have joined Miss Liz for 2022. And we just get to meet each other and share. And if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to know, you can check that out. That'll be December 22nd. More information on that will be coming soon. So again, 
JP, thank you so much for tonight. It was an honor. And thank you for the Bengal tea together. We had a cup of tea together. I love always having tea together. And I enjoy all of the questions that came in tonight. So thank you. Um, but again, please verify with StreamYard so I can see your name because all I get is a Facebook user. So again, thank you so much. And I will see you next week at 3 p.m.